football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Oh, we are back in on the latest edition of the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to those underdogs. And we are vowing to be better here as we get ready to close out the month of October this week. And of course, next week, Three Dog Thursday. Speaking of howling dogs is on Halloween uh, for the trick or treat. And hopefully it's plenty more treats, plenty more good underdogs in the college and the pro game. So I am your somewhat capable host. Again, we need to be better than last week. Struggled to get an underdog to come through. Uh, Arizona State, for whatever reason, couldn't put points on the board at Utah. We went down on that. So did some of my guests. I had the Raiders against the Packers. Might want to think about stopping Aaron Rodgers at some point if the Raiders ever meet the Pack again because he lit them up for five touchdowns in the air, one more on the ground. That one wasn't really close. And then also the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Houston was in the game with chances, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but one last Deshaun Watson interception ball deflecting off the receiver's hands gets picked off. And what a story Indianapolis is with Frank Reich uh, and Jacoby Brissett at quarterback taking over for the suddenly retired Andrew Luck. They're not missing a beat. They're in good shape right now in the AFC South as they improved to 4-2 with the victory last week which took me down for a third time uh, with the underdog. So we're looking to be better. I'm going to enlist the help of some good uh, handicappers and also a special guest, first-time handicapper, by the way, coming on board on Three Dog Thursday uh, in a little bit. Up first, our buddy Gary Seegers from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. He and Chris Giannini uh, do a great job with the Winning Cures podcast and YouTube show. You can find them on social media on Twitter at Winning Cures, Winning Cures Everything on Facebook, winningcureseverything.com. Gary will be here with underdogs. Chris last week, by the way, gave us the New Orleans Saints and that great win over the uh, Chicago Bears. The game that the Bears really dressed up at the end. They were losing 36-10, to 10, scored a couple of touchdowns late, didn't end up uh, really mattering for the outcome of the game. And New Orleans has won five straight games without Drew Brees. Remarkable. I mean, one of the themes that we have here uh, from Three Dog Thursday right now is go figure the NFL. The Saints, five straight wins without Drew Brees. The Panthers, four straight wins without Kyle Allen. They're back in action at San Francisco and a couple of our guests are going to, to take a strong look at the Carolina Panthers. Go, go figure the New York Jets beating the Dallas Cowboys one week, the winless Jets, turn around and play the Patriots and look like, honestly, a JV team, like a high school team in that game on Monday. Uh, it was bad for the Jets. So we're going to talk some about that uh, here on the program. Just go figure the NFL. Uh, as a as a theme. But anyway, Chris had the Saints for last week. Great job picking off the Winning Cures Everything guys uh, here on the show. Speaking of the Jets, a guy that's part of the Jets broadcast, former Jets number one pick. He lives here in the Tampa Bay area where I am based for Three Dog Thursday. Former Buccaneer as well, 13-year veteran of the NFL. Former West Virginia Mountaineer uh, is Anthony Beck. Does a great job on ESPN TV. 
uh, Anthony and Beth Mullins going throughout the college football season with a bunch of different games, including this week's Florida State-Syracuse game. Want to talk to Anthony Becht about that game. What's going to happen with FSU's coach Willie Taggart and the future? Um, uh, Becht was part of the call of that UCLA-Washington State track meet game in the Pac-12 back uh, in late September. We'll talk to him about that game, uh, what his college football playoff Final Four right now looks like. Of course, it's subject to change. And obviously... Uh, here the the rankings are going to come out in a couple of weeks for the first time. Everybody's paying attention to what's going to happen between LSU and Alabama, the last two unbeatens right now in the SEC. What's going to happen now that Wisconsin has taken a loss with the last two unbeatens in the Big Ten and Ohio State and Penn State who play each other. So those those games are going to mean a lot. What's going to happen with Oklahoma? Can they finish undefeated? Can Clemson finish undefeated? Anthony Beck's going to be talking to us about the college football playoff, how it sizes up, and then he was there for that Patriots-Jets game. We'll talk a little NFL uh, with him as well. Also, later on here on the podcast, a guy making his debut is Brian Edwards. I have gotten the chance to be around Brian, talk to him. He's got his own site, brianedwardsports.com. Brian also affiliated with the site Wager, Major Wager, majorwager.com, doing a lot of writing and handicapping for there as well. Brian's going to be here with some college and NFL underdogs, and I'll talk with him about the SEC landscape as well. He's based in the South. So again, Brian Edwards will be part of Three Dog Thursday for the first time, giving us some underdogs uh, in a little bit. So guests coming up. Uh, again, I'm taking a, I'm kind of taking a theme here that in in the case of like Wisconsin off that upset loss to Illinois, still can't figure out how that happened. Uh, where Illinois did not run a single play the entire day inside the Wisconsin red zone, yet still beat them by scoring 20 plus points and kicking the game winning field goal. Uh, at the end last week for the Illini. Wisconsin off that loss is a significant underdog against Ohio State. The Patriots off their big win Monday night, huge favorite. The Browns off the bye week, they're a significant underdog. These are two games that I'm strongly looking at here under kind of the theme of uh, it's too many points in this specific spot and maybe you're catching the team that is the home favorite, the big home favorite at the right time. So we'll explore that as we go along with the underdog picks. A reminder that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Listen up. Pay attention. If you're wagering on the games, do it safely, securely with MyBookie.ag. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. MyBookie.ag. Because we know this, that if you bet and if you win, they pay and they pay fast. uh, Guaranteed. And uh, look, you can bet on everything. We talk about underdogs here, but you can bet on the favorites. You can bet on the under over totals, college football, the NFL, the World Series going on at the time that we're kicking off Three Dog Thursday for this week. The Nationals and the Houston Astros playing in the World Series. You can bet on that. You can bet on the NBA starting up. Oh, boy, the Lakers already losing to the Clippers in the opening game uh, of this season. Uh, and so the NBA season underway, the defending champion Raptors, uh, you know, remaking their roster. So if you want to bet on the NBA, college basketball will be here soon. They've got it all at my bookie. And we've got a special offer that you can still take advantage of here in October. 
If you are a first-time customer, an initial depositor at my bookie, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000 with our promo code 3DOG off this show, the number 3 in DOG. So enter that promo code in, and whether your initial deposit is a couple of hundred bucks, they'll match it for $200. If it's 500 same thing. They'll put 500 in all the way up to $1,000. You put 1000 in, my bookie will match it. Again, uh, you want to uh, go with these guys because you bet, you win, and you get paid quickly through mybookie.ag. So remember that promo code, initial deposit matched up to $1,000 with mybookie. That promo code is 3DOG, the number 3 and D-O-G. Time to get to our guests as we've got plenty to discuss here on 3DOG Thursday. Yes, he is back to help me kick things off on this latest edition of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Always love the insight from the guys from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. We have a great relationship going back and forth right now where they agree to let me come into their space and talk and try to impart some underdog wisdom with them. And then they come on with me and keep knocking underdogs out of the park here on Three Dog Thursday. Gary Seeger's with me from the Winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube show back on the program. How you feeling as we head down the home stretch here of October? How are things? I feel really, really good. I'm, I'm finally starting to get some of these teams, and, and the numbers are starting to make more sense. Uh, the underdogs are hitting. It, it's, I'm feeling good. Football is, is best in October and November, uh, so I'm ready to knock some of the stuff out of the park. Uh, yes, I would agree with that, and we, we need to bounce back a little bit because I was already saying this earlier in the show. Uh, we were all kind of on Arizona State, and that did not work out last week. We're going to begin with some college underdogs coming up here and see uh what some of them can or can't do uh for this week so um all right uh before we get into your underdogs arguably the the biggest game that had a little bit of a letdown obviously a little bit maybe a stretch it was a huge letdown illinois upsets wisconsin last week we were looking at unbeaten uh, uh whiskey against ohio state and now it's a one-loss Wisconsin team. Oh, and Gary Seegers and Chris Giannini of the Winning Cures Everything podcast were OL. They were on location and saw Ohio State in person drum Northwestern last Friday night. I'm looking still at Wisconsin as a possible underdog here. You saw the Buckeyes. What what about this matchup, Gary? Their, their lines are gettable, right? Like it, They're not as dominant in the trenches as you might think. Uh, Northwestern is not great on the offensive or defensive lines, uh, but they were able to to get some push against Ohio State. Now, with speed and just overall raw talent and everything else, Ohio State just you know blew the doors off of them. But uh, there are spots where Wisconsin can take advantage of this football team, so long as they don't have the same mental mistakes that they did against Illinois. I, I think the Illinois loss for Wisconsin was completely a look-ahead spot. I think that that entire team was already laser-focused on Ohio State, and truth be told, Wisconsin is not talented enough to be able to overlook anybody, uh, especially going on the road, early morning kickoff. You know, it, it, it wasn't a good spot for Wisconsin. Um, but back to Ohio State, like, yes, they are 100% just a super, super talented team, probably one of the three most talented teams in the country. And yeah, I mean, they, they could run Wisconsin straight out of the stadium, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think Wisconsin keeps the football from them. 
Um, I, I mean, that's they lead the country in time of possession. Wisconsin does. So if I'm leaning one way or another, and, and I do like this play, I'm going to have money on it. Uh, Wisconsin, at a lot of different books, are getting more than a touchdown. And oh, yeah. More than two touchdowns. They're, uh, they're getting 14 and a half. So if you're giving me more than two touchdowns with this team and this offensive and defensive line, I will take that all day, every day. I think they're going to be amped up for this one. And it's kind of fitting into what my theme is going to be throughout this podcast, that it's a lot of points and an interesting spot. Uh, it'll kind of morph into an NFL underdog that I'm going to be taking later on uh, as well with a team that's getting a lot of points and an interesting spot. So we'll uh, we'll see. All right, one other game to ask you about before we get to your underdogs, LSU. Everybody uh, riding high about the Bayou Bengals, and rightfully so, as they continue to, you know, they lit Mississippi State up uh, last week. They continue to, to pile up uh, the yards and, and the points on offense. They play Auburn at home, and Auburn a double-digit underdog. I know the Titanic showdown with Alabama is in two weeks after the bye week. A thought or two here, could Auburn have something for them, or is LSU going to keep rolling? Uh, we're in the SEC in the South. We're in the SEC country. We lean towards the SEC. What about it, Gary? What do you think? Well, the the Bayou Bengals have won and covered five straight at home against Auburn. I don't look for that to end here. I, I don't think that this is a, a good underdog spot. Uh, I don't think Auburn is as good as their record has shown. Yes, their defense is, is okay. Like, they're not even okay. They're really good. But they haven't seen an offense like this. Uh, I think LSU is on a mission. And it, it's like a, a kid with a new, you know, toy gun. Like, they are <laughs> killing everything in their path. And it is just it, – it, it's remarkable to see the difference in this offense. Um, LSU is so good. Like, I'm, as, as an Alabama fan, I am terrified of this LSU team. So, yeah, I, I don't think that this is one that I would play. Um, obviously, you know, it, it looks appealing because you've got a top 10 matchup and you're getting, you know, more than 10 points. I don't think it's a good spot, though. I, I think, I mean, obviously, I don't think that uh, Auburn is as good as Florida. And Florida went in and got beat by two touchdowns and still looked good in the process. So, yeah, I would, I would lean LSU here. Um, but, you know, I, I, hey, I could be talked out of it. Well, but then again, uh, there, there's a reason why they keep scoring on everybody, whether it's Texas, like you mentioned, Florida, whomever it is, they keep scoring on them, and there's no reason to think they're not going to score on Auburn as well, as good as Auburn's defensive line is. We will find out. That's the voice of Gary Seegers with me as part of Three Dog Thursday. Gary and Chris Giannini on the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Love their insight. I come on their show. They come on this show. We cohabitate. We try to give you underdogs now on their show. They're giving you favorites. They're giving you under-over picks. Uh, the whole gamut uh, with the college and the NFL games. I am I am honing Gary in on underdogs, so I am curious where you want to begin in college football. I know you're going to go with two college football underdogs. What's the first one you like and why, sir? Let's go to Atlanta. Georgia State is giving up a point and a half to Troy. Now, Georgia State has looked good here recently. And you remember they got the big win against Tennessee to start off the season. Yes, sir. You yep. know, they they seem to be kind of on a roll here, but they haven't played an offense like Troy's. I like Troy a ton here, getting a point and a half. At, you know, it's, it's not a big underdog, but it's still technically an underdog. I'm going to take the Trojans to go in and beat Georgia State this weekend. I think Troy has more talent. 
I, I think they've got a better coach. Um, I'm, I'm all in on the Trojans. Their, their quarterback looks fantastic right now. I'm rolling with Troy to get this W in Atlanta. Well, and of course, uh, Georgia State comes off the win over Army. We talked about Army at the beginning of the year and how they hung with Michigan. Georgia State beats them. This is a team that won two games last year. They already now have four wins this season. And and Troy, of course, pulled an upset. Neil Brown was the coach then. Now the, now the uh, West Virginia coach. They upset LSU at LSU. They're always good in this conference. And it's rare that you can get them as an underdog. So you'll take the point and a half with the Troy Trojans here in the matchup with Georgia State. That's one of the um, interesting Sunbelt Conference games uh, that's upcoming. Troy, a winner uh, last week over South Alabama decisively. They did lose to Missouri a couple of weeks ago, but Troy also uh, has an easy win over Akron at Akron as a road uh, as a road team there in that matchup. So let's see what they can do in that one. And I believe you're going to swing all the way out west. We've talked about a lot of teams in the south here in the last few minutes. You're going to swing all the way out west for another underdog. Who is it and why? Well, let's uh, let's talk about the boys from the Palouse. Let's talk about the Cougars, Washington State, getting 14 at Oregon. Look, Oregon, of course, looks fantastic. They are number seven in the country in yards per play defense. The defense has completely shifted since they brought in the, the new defensive coordinator, uh, Avalos. Like, they look good, but this is a situational spot. Washington State is 4-1 and one straight up, 5-0 and oh against the spread, their last five against Oregon. So wow. you know they're not scared of them. Yeah, and on top of that, this is a, a let-down look-ahead spot for Oregon. They, they come off of the big emotional win against Washington on the road last week in Seattle. And then next week, they have USC, and there's talk about possibilities of game day and you know the ABC primetime game, all this stuff. Everybody's talking about USC. Nobody's really talking about Washington State. And we know what Mike Leach does in these kind of situations. He's an <laughs> underdog. He, nobody's thinking about him. They all think that Oregon's going to wipe the floor with him. And while they might, I don't think it's going to happen. Washington State is still number four in the country in yards per play offense. I mean, they are rolling on offense right now. So while the defense isn't great, I think that this could become a really tight ball game because I think Oregon is going to have trouble stopping this team if they don't get up for it. Give me Washington State and all them points, plus 14, I, I like them to uh, to cover this spread. I'm not going to go money line on it, but uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Washington State got the win. How about that? Uh, I love the insight there. What was that again? Four and one straight up, and five for five against the spread against Oregon in the last five meetings for for Washington State in the it. matchup. So that's very interesting. And I know they got back on track. They almost shoulda, coulda, woulda. They almost upset Arizona State a couple of weeks ago in Tempe before uh, Arizona State scored in the final minute of the game to beat them. They then throttled Colorado last week, Wazoo. I know we're going to talk with Anthony Becht a little bit later on on many subjects. He had that Washington State-UCLA track meet game earlier in the year where they blew the lead and lost 67-63 in that one. Uh, and I like your theory on look ahead. You're kind of talking me into this a little bit that Oregon played such an emotional game last week with uh, with Washington. They have USC. Is it a look ahead? Very interesting play. Wazoo and the 14 or 14 and a half uh, here for the matchup with Oregon. Gary Seeger's with me for a few more moments. Let's turn uh, to the NFL. 
uh, where where from one week to the next we can't figure this league out. It, it's tough. I mean, it's it's hard to fathom how the New York Jets. I'll talk more with Beck about this. He was at the game Monday night, Jets and Patriots. How the Jets beat the Cowboys and then turned around and looked so awful on, on Monday night. You you look at the Cowboys who were floundering every which direction and then they just turned it on last Sunday night against the Eagles. From one week to the next, we don't really know for sure, do we? In the NFL, you can flip the switch on, and we see teams doing that. It, yes, we most certainly do. It, it is, it's a little bit of a mess. And what we have this weekend are a ton of really good teams against bad teams, and that doesn't set up great for for gambling purposes or for underdog picks, for that matter. Because you know the lines all look about right, but I did find one out west that I really, really like, I'm going to go on and go to San Francisco. Now, a couple of weeks ago when I was on with you, I took the 49ers against the Rams. Yes, you did. I the 49ers Yes, the you team. did. Yes, you did. I am actually going to go the opposite direction this time. I'm going against the 49ers. Now, when they covered against the Browns at home on Monday night, that was only the second time that they had covered as a home favorite in the last 20 football games. <laughs> and now you're telling me that a Carolina Panthers team is going to come in and get five and a half points. Five and a half is way too many here. Look, we get it. San Francisco is undefeated. Everybody likes them right now. But Carolina with Kyle Allen at quarterback is also undefeated. That's correct. So, I am going to roll with the Panthers here. I like their defense a lot. I, uh, I would, I would probably lean the under here as well, but we're not going to get into that. Of course, we're talking underdogs. So, Panthers plus five and a half at the 49ers. Don't know if they win the game, but five and a half is just absurd. I, I think this is a field goal either way. Uh, give me Carolina here. I, I love this pick. And I saw the Panthers, I've seen them twice this year, with Cam Newton on the Thursday night, lost to my Buccaneers, and then with Kyle Allen in London now, two weekends ago, and he's composed, I mean, San Francisco will try to rattle him, that crowd is going to be stoked uh, at Levi Stadium for this game, because remember, the 49ers have now, as you mentioned, beaten the Rams at the Coliseum, and then in the slop at FedEx Field, shut out the Redskins 9 nothing. so they haven't been home for a few weeks, now they're back home with a chance to win this, let's see how Kyle Allen does, Christian McCann. Caffrey, of course, returning to the San Francisco Bay Area where he played against Stanford. That is a bold pick, my friend, going with the Panthers and the points. You do realize the previous two times that the 49ers have been 6-0, and they went to the NFC Championship game in 1990. The other time they were 6-0 and back in the mid-80s with Joe Montana, they won the whole thing. So I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing, but it is interesting. That's the other two times they've gotten to 6-0 and uh, in, their, in their recent last 20, 25 years of playing in the NFL, 30 years of playing in the NFL. Let's see what happens uh, well, for that, uh, that, for that matchup. Go ahead. Let's stay on San Francisco. Let's, let's stay on here. How insane is it that they bring in Kyle Shanahan because they want the, the fancy offensive coach, the guy that's going to score points, and they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo because he can sling it, and you know they absolutely love him at quarterback. That's not what's been winning the football games for them. Their front seven is vicious, yep. and their defense is absolutely legit. Uh, that's that's what's winning football games for them. It's also what's winning football games for the Panthers as well. I I like this to be a uh, a slugfest here. 
So, yeah, yeah, Panthers plus five and a half. Uh, again, I think it's a field goal game either way. But, yeah, the, the San Francisco 49ers are absolutely legit. I love this thing. All right. So much more on the NFL as we go along. Anthony Beck will be with me in a little while to talk more NFL. i got to come up with an NFL underdog or two. I love these guys for their insight. Once again, Gary and Chris on the Winning Cures Everything podcast, they have me on which uh, coming off of last week, the fact that they invited me back, I say thank you to them. That's <laughs> hopefully will earn my keep a little better <laughs> this week. Gary, plug away on where fans that are hearing you right now on Three Dog Thursday can find your podcast, the YouTube show, the whole thing. Fire away. Yeah, you can find everything over at winningcureseverything.com. All of our social media platforms, you can get us on Twitter. You can get me at GaryWCE. Uh, you can get the show at Winning Cures. Of course, we're on Facebook, on YouTube. And in any of your favorite podcast apps, uh, that is the easiest spot to go grab us. Uh, and we do appreciate you for having us on and for you coming on with us. It's always a good, entertaining conversation. Uh, so, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling. And I, let's hope that we do with the underdogs. These guys were in Chicago last weekend and saw, uh, again, Ohio State bash Northwestern. But you were also there on the weekend for the Saints win. And Chris Giannini, your colleague, uh, came on here saying Saints, Saints, Saints with me. And the Saints got the win straight up. I mean, they've been tremendous uh, and got that win straight up against Chicago, a game that the Bears dressed up in the final two minutes. They blew them out. They, they've been impressive. But the one thing I wanted to joke with you before you before you run, you you were talking with me, I was talking with you for the last couple of weeks about being in England, and I was there for the uh, the Bucks and the Panthers, but the World Cup of Rugby was going on, and I tried <laughs> to convey to you guys how big a deal that is in Europe and worldwide, and you guys actually experienced it. Tell the story in the middle of the night, Chicago bar, a- after the, uh, the Ohio State Friday night bashing, uh, as I mentioned, of Northwestern, you guys experience that the world cup of rugby was a big deal even in a chicago bar right oh a hundred percent we went to an irish pub that was right next door to the hotel where we were staying in downtown chicago and we get back around 12 o'clock and we're deciding okay do we want to go to sleep and just get up early and do something like the old men that we are and we said okay we don't have the wives let's let's go out let's do something so we walk outside there's an irish pub right next door we walk over, it's about 12.30, 12.45 or so, and we walk in thinking, okay, well, they're supposed to close at 2. I mean, it's got it on the door. It says, you know, we close at 2 o'clock. So we're like, okay, we'll hang out for an hour or so and then go back to the room. We get in, and we're talking with the waitress, and she explains, yeah, we're <laughs> actually going to get really busy, and we'll be open until like 5 or 6. And I said, okay, like, what is something going on? What am I missing? Is this an every weekend thing? No, the, uh, the, the Rugby World Cup is on. And, of course, I'm looking around. There's not very many people in this bar. I mean, we're talking maybe 10, 15 people in the entire place. And all of a sudden, right at 2 o'clock, this place fills up with a bunch of uh, fans of England and fans of Australia. And they are chanting and they are screaming and singing national anthems. And I mean, it, it, they, a guy got so excited at the first England, uh, whatever you, I guess, goal. It's called a try. I have learned it's called a try. Okay. Their, their touchdown See, is called a try. So the first try, he went bananas. <laughs> oh, he went so insane. He picked up the table that was next to us <laughs> and flung all of the glass drinks off of it. And just, I mean, there's shards of glass everywhere. And these guys are losing their minds. 
and we sat out until four o'clock in the morning oh. well, until that game got out of hand. But it was the most entertaining thing that I've ever seen at four o'clock in the morning at a bar. I tried to tell you. <laughs> I did I not on your show try to tell you that they are bonkers for this World Cup of Rugby, which is about to finish up because I had seen it in the press box of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium just outside of downtown London for the Bucks Panthers game. That it's uh, it's mid afternoon London time, and there's twenty five guys crowded around the Scotland-Japan World Cup of Rugby game hanging on every move on every moment. So it's a big deal worldwide. We love our version of football, college and the NFL. All over the world, they love rugby just as much. So I'm glad oh, you guys absolutely. got to experience. I'm glad you got out of there safely. It sounded like if things got out of hand, that there, you know, there might have been some rumbling going on, and you and Gina Nini might have had to raise the fists to get yourself out of that situation to extricate yourself. So I'm glad you survived, well, it, and you're here doing look, podcasts. Chris, Chris is a big enough guy. I felt uh, I felt comfortable. Now I'm I'm a short dude. I'm not going to get in the middle of that, but. I can hide behind Chris, and he can handle himself, so I'm good with that. <laughs> He's like the lead blocker to get you out. I'm you glad it. you experienced the World Cup of Rugby. You experienced a little shy town on the weekend, got back safely to the Mid-South where these guys are based. WinningCuresEverything.com is the site. Winning Cures is the podcast. Winning Cures Everything, at Winning Cures on Twitter. Find the YouTube show. As I keep joking, these guys are male models. You'll see Gary. You'll see Chris on uh, the Winning Cures Everything show. Good luck with your underdogs, Troy, Washington State, and the Carolina Panthers, Gary Seegers. I appreciate you hopping on Three Dog Thursday. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Again, still to come, Anthony Becht will be here, the former number one pick of the New York Jets. He was there for the Patriots rolling the Jets on Monday Night Football. Does great work as a college football analyst on ESPN. He's working Florida State Syracuse this week. He worked Iowa and Purdue a week ago. Has worked some Pac-12 games this year. Has had the Georgia Bulldogs this year. Look forward to talking to Anthony on the show. Still to come, handicap for Brian Edwards from BrianEdwardsSports.com. He's got some underdogs for me as well. Plenty more picks and predictions that are coming up. Reminder, the show is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. You can go to Vivid Seats for tickets to any of these games, whether you're talking about that Notre Dame-Michigan game at the Big House, LSU and Auburn in Baton Rouge, uh, on and on down the list, that that Washington State-Oregon game that Gary was talking about. Over in the NFL, pick any of these games at, at any of the locales. I'm headed to Nashville with my Buccaneers against the Titans. Uh, but any of these different games uh, that we have, uh, you know, Patriots hosting the Browns, the Sunday night game with the Chiefs and the Packers, on and on. Great ticket selection at Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Uh, again, you can enter in safely and securely. It'll take you less than five minutes to sign up, to register, and to buy your tickets. And we've got a special promo code. If you're a first-time user at Vivid Seats, use our promo code THURSDAY and the number 10. Take 10% off your Vivid Seats order. The promo code is THURSDAY10 uh, with Vivid Seats. For any of these games, any of these events, college football, the NFL, the World Series, uh, the NBA season starting, college basketball hoop season coming up, the promo code is good. Use the promo code THURSDAY10. First-time users get 10% off your order up to $50 with Vivid Seats. So take advantage of that promo code. And remember, when getting those tickets on that secondary market, one name to remember Vivid Seats. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? 
Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Have not had the chance as of yet to say hello and bring back on the Three Dog Thursday podcast my man, Anthony Becht, former uh, longtime NFL star, former number one pick of the New York Jets, former All-Big East when they were in the Big East tight end for the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. I I always love his inside ESPN college football analyst, does a lot of work as well with the Jets. He was there. (laughs) He is admitting to being there for Monday night's Patriots-Jets game. We'll have to ask him about that. But first, we welcome him on uh, to talk some college football and more. How are things, A.B.? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on, TJ. Appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate you because you still return my call, my text message, and we have fun <laughs> chopping it up off the air. You have worked a lot of a lot of interesting and wild games. This man worked uh, in the middle of the night in the Palouse, the Pac-12 uh, track yeah. meet game between UCLA and Washington State. Let me check. I think that game has finally gone final. The scoring just stopped a few minutes ago. Uh, let's just begin right there. You and Beth Mowens and your crew worked that game where, if fans don't remember, there were about 100 points scored, I think, in the fourth quarter alone of that game. So let, let's go. What, what was it like to work that UCLA-Washington State game? First of all, it was wild. Yeah, you know, it was just offensive fulfilled for both teams. I mean, I've never seen a team score uh, as many points as UCLA had in the really mid third quarter till the end of the game, they actually had scored more points in that quarter and a half than they had scored the entire season leading up to that game. So <laughs> it wasn't expected, number one. And then, of course, any quarterback in college football that throws for nine touchdown passes, mm. you would think, done deal, win the game. Well, he needed 10, and Anthony Gordon, the quarterback for Washington State, couldn't get it. I'll tell you, what it did do in that football game is it changed everything that Washington State was prior to that game happening. I mean, everything was going their way. They're undefeated. They're up huge, 40, it was 42 to 7 at one point in the game. And they're looking to move on and, and be one of the top teams in the Pac 12. And from that game on, uh, they, they've lost uh, again. Uh, Arizona State had beaten them. And they also fired their defensive coordinator. So just a lot of craziness, you know, going from a very high to a very low. And, of course, UCLA hasn't been able to match that performance. And Chip Kelly, it's been a disappointing, really, start to his career the last, uh, you know, season and a half now. But it was a fun game offensively. It was electric. It was a show. It forced everyone to put some Visine in their eyes the next day when they woke up because (laughs) it was a late performance. And I did did not get a lot of sleep heading into my following week's game, uh, but I did catch up finally. But uh, just a a really fun experience. And, again, you've worked all kinds, SEC, ACC, uh, Big Ten, Big 12, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Pac-12, it's just interesting because we've we've been out west uh, some in our careers and our cross paths. They they care about USC, they care about Oregon and the Arizona teams and the Washington teams. Uh, but it's interesting that you get east of the Rocky Mountains, and I don't know that a lot of the rest of the country pays attention to that or cares about that. But there's a real rabid following out west, and we wonder, Anthony, as we bring it kind of into the college football playoff conversation because that's going to crank up. Is the Pac-12 going to get left out again here, or does Oregon? Oregon probably has the most viable chance to finish with one loss as the Pac-12 champion and get in there. What do you think about all that? Yeah, you know, Oregon really is the last straw, and and you know, you kind of look at 
what's important. I mean, their loss against Auburn. I mean, you go back and watch that game. That that's a they have they they should have won that game. I mean, there's certain circumstances that came up that they gave that game away, and they had a chance. You know, they had a they have a, they have an excellent quarterback. Their offensive line is really good, but. Uh, you know, look, they, they were able to win a very close game that they were down most of it versus Washington. Uh, and, you know, look, for, for this team, they do have to run the table. Their, their best opponent that's left on their schedule is Arizona State, who just took uh, their second loss of the season. So they're not going to have that quote-unquote uh, power schedule that you're looking for with a lot of the teams, like you mentioned, struggling in the Pac-12. But, you know, listen – Sometimes we talk about conferences and, okay, they have a bunch of teams that have losses, but it does show that their conference from top to bottom is a little stronger in the fact that, you know, teams show up and play, even like the Oregon States of the world, who aren't very good teams in the history of that that conference, have played teams well and beat teams in in the conference. So, you know, we can can talk about that compared to what the ACC is, where – uh, again, you know, it's people feel that's down, but again, teams can go in, win at any point. It's very competitive, and clearly, it's gotten Clemson prepared to make a run. They won the national championship, won undefeated last year, and then this year with teams like Pitt and Virginia Tech, who maybe think that they may be down a bit, they are you know good, strong teams that give Clemson what they need from from a preparation standpoint. Even though multiple people wouldn't rank them right now in their top four. And, and we have learned this for many, many years right now in this process, especially with the college football playoff the last few years in the Final Four. You've got to let it play out. Look what South Carolina did a couple of weeks ago at Georgia. Look what Lovey Smith, who we both have been around as the former Buccaneers coach, look what they did to Wisconsin, who was unbeaten, stunned them. I mean, Anthony, just quick comment. You've got to let it play out over the next six or seven weeks because there are going to be some shockers, probably at least two or three more, that are going to happen that are going to go into the mix of who gets into that Final Four. Yeah, I mean, you know, TJ, we're talking about 18, 19-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. I promise you, they're going to make mistakes. <laughs> Even the best ones, the best players. I mean, Jonathan Taylor with a huge fumble in that game against Illinois. I mean, no one, which 27 at one point, okay, it's it's a tough, you know, they're running the clock out, they're moving it, and all of a sudden you turn it on, and Illinois is driving down to kick a field goal, and it's just astonishing. I mean, it, it just goes to show. I mean, uh, you know, college football is not a guaranteed deal for these for these top-tier teams. I, I, I truly believe that there's a lot better uh, opportunities with teams that are in the conferences that play hard. And, look, if they want to be that team that knocks off the top-tier team or whoever it is in that conference, and they're going to throw everything at them, whether it's, trick plays or anything to just try to get them off and it's tough for those teams to win and consistently do it week in and week out and dominate like people want to see the strength of or the or the, the points that they win by but i think sometimes close games actually help some of these big name programs get ready for that push at the end of the season because they've been in scenarios that maybe you look at in ohio state who's blown everybody off the off the uh, face of the earth right now hasn't been in any situations that they've been challenged in Good point on that one. So if I were to pop quiz you and say, give me the Anthony Becht uh, college football playoff Final Four right now, yep. with with uh, the understanding there are numerous unbeaten teams and some of them have to play each other, like LSU, Alabama, for example, have to play each other. Presumably, if Ohio State, Penn State are both unbeaten in two or three weeks, they're playing each other. But what what would be your four right now and why? 
Yep. So uh, it, it starts with the undefeated teams, obviously, in the top. It's just how they shake out. Um, you know, LSU has the two biggest, strongest wins uh, on their schedule so far versus any other team uh, in college football. And they've been dominant in their schedule. Um, you know, Joe Burrows is arguably the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy race. Uh, the offense and what they've been able to do and make the change finally after years of waiting for this team that had so many great years of defense but couldn't really score, uh, they look dominant to me. I, I just, you know, and who they've played, you match those together. They're, they're, in my eyes, clearly number one. Number two is Ohio State. We just talked about Ohio State, you know, not really playing yet the toughest competition, but, you know, going against a Michigan State defense, you know, the offense, I wasn't worried about them doing anything versus Ohio State, but just playing a top-tier defense in Michigan State, that was something that I wanted to see. And, and, and the one thing that I saw there was their versatility of not just being a team that's going to pass for five, six, seven touchdowns, but they rushed for over 300-plus yards against one of the top defensive teams in the country. So they're going to have their opportunity this week. It would have been really nice if Wisconsin had won and took care of business. But, you know, it speaks volumes a little bit about teams not looking ahead and be able to take care of business, which Ohio State did and Wisconsin did. So going against Wisconsin, they're going to get their best shot, and it's going to help them even more. So I have them at number two. Alabama and Oklahoma, I have Alabama three, Oklahoma four. Both of those teams, when you watch them and get the eye test, you see their dominance, you see they're a very strong team. And it's it's hard not to say, just off the history of the way they played, that they're in the mix as being – some of the top teams in the nation, but you really can't do that. You have to go by who they played. So we're waiting for Alabama and Oklahoma to play the big game. Oklahoma had a, a better looking win versus Texas than LSU did. Just Texas has the extra extra win against Florida. So, you know, Oklahoma is going to get their shot here. Alabama has uh, LSU here coming up as well in a couple weeks. That's when we'll start to know where they fall. And that'll give obviously to a, some uh, opportunity to heal up and get back. So they got to get to that point uh, for him to be healthy. So those are my four. My first two out, too, I think, which are important is because they're very close. Penn State, to me, uh, you know, I didn't watch much of them this season until I had Iowa and Purdue last week and I had to watch them play against them the prior two weeks. And Penn State, and then we all saw what they did against Michigan, which is a big win. But their defense is, is really, really good. Uh, you know, their their defensive front, everybody's talked about them, everybody knows about them, but they're deep, they're too deep there. So they can rotate guys in and not lose any of that strength and power that they have up front. And their linebackers are playing great. Uh, and their quarterback is getting better every week. And the weapons that they have, obviously, with Hamler receivers, just a, he's an incredible uh, player at the receiver position, a playmaker, a game changer for them. Uh, and Clifford is going to be getting – uh, they really like what he's doing, where he's aiming. So they're kind of priming themselves for the showdowns that they have left on their schedule. And then there's Clemson. So Clemson, to me, again, we talked earlier about Clemson uh, playing a couple close games, in particular North Carolina, which I think, to me, helps them moving forward. But I, just on who they've played and how they've won football games, uh, I just can't catapult them yet in the top four. But, you know, look, they finish their season. They do what they do. And like you said, things happen. With other of these teams, LSU, Alabama's playing, Penn State, Ohio State play, that they're going to slide up and give them that conversation. They'll be a no-brainer if they take care of their business uh, in their schedule and win their conference championship, which they're going to have to do 
to get into the championship uh, conversation. Voice of Anthony Beck. Love his insight. He's with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. You follow him on social media on Twitter at Anthony underscore Beck, B-E-C-H-T. Anthony does a great job with Beth Mowens on their crew for college football on ESPN. Uh, They're working the Florida State-Syracuse game. No, that is not punishment for them. It's just the rotation, as it turns out, in the ACC. I want to ask him about that uh, here in a second. I promise we'll get to the NFL in a couple of moments. But Anthony always gives great insight and perspective. Uh, Nobody dives into the tape, college and pro, as much as this guy working the games every week. He's well-versed on a bunch of conferences and even in the NFL on a bunch of different teams. So I I love to pick his brain even off the air. All right, so I mentioned FSU and what – what a mess it is a year and a half in for Willie Taggart. So this is a home game, what is supposed to be an easy, winnable game. It is anything, and we both live in the state of Florida. We live in the Tampa Bay area, uh, Anthony and I do, and we hear it from Seminole fans where we are, but in the panhandle, it's even crazier around Tallahassee. The rumors are flying everywhere that Taggart may be bought out, may be fired, may last the season, may not last the season. Anthony, what's your read on on that situation and how it affects that team? All of the uncertainty with all of the losing and everybody calling for his job. What's your read midweek here as you get ready to go be part of that game and that mess at Florida State? Yeah, well, you know, obviously we both know Willie from his start uh, from leaving Western Kentucky and, and coming to USF. And I think after a year or two there, he was on the chopping block as well. Uh, you right. know, he came in and ran his Stanford-style offense. It wasn't very good with the type of athlete that he had on the field and just randomly decided to change it up. And all of a sudden, he went from a coach that was being fired to the next year being one of the more productive college coaches of the next two seasons at USF, got an extension, and ultimately became a top-tier wanted coach throughout college football. Um, so, you know, look, he hasn't forgotten how to coach. He hasn't forgotten how to lead, but I think what, what's going on at Florida state is, you know, just, they, they have the talent there. There's something going on between when the talent gets there, how they're kind of, uh, I don't want to say coaching them up, but just kind of developing the talent that's coming in. You know, Florida has a ton of athletes throughout all these high schools and they go to these schools and it's really important, you know, because they're so talented to hone in on the techniques and the things that they're doing so that they can be uh, be as good as you want them to be on a, on a week-to-week basis, a year-to-year basis. The most glaring part of, of Florida State's problem continues to be their offensive line. Uh, they haven't been able to, uh, you know, get some of these young players that are four- or five-star guys to develop quick enough to play now and uh, they have a couple experienced players that just have not improved their game from the time they've been there. So, you know, that's a, a, a really a, a two-way thing with the player, you know, just taking the, 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 really the, the movement of making himself better and then the coaches of improving him. And, you know, he brings in, again, making that change to try to do something different. He became a play caller year one decides that the next year, which is this year, to bring in Kendall Bryles. Guy's been very, um, you know, uh, credited with his success in offenses. He's a young guy, but at Baylor, FAU, and things really haven't changed. I mean, I, as I go back and look at it so far, they're, you know, at this point last season, they were 4-3. and three. Now they're 3-4. and four. 
their offense has only generated 40 more yards and scored eight more points than they had all of last year. So, um, you know, the quarterback, the skill position players are there. It's just can they get the protection and get things to bounce their way. And I think a lot of people, including myself, thought that they'd be one of the more improved teams heading into the season just because, you know, Willie was on top of calling games last year uh, when, that, when I had them. They were very clear about the, the weaknesses of the football team and what had to be addressed. And it's just interesting to me how it just hasn't automatically clicked and you've seen the improvement. And early on, offensively, right, as we watched this team, we thought, wow, okay, here we go, playing Boise State. They're, 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 I'm watching the first half, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, oh, wow, the offense is on fire, this team's different. And then, bam, the second half comes around and they end up losing, and it just triggers the questions again and why and what they can't do. So is his job, to go back to your original question, uh, is his job safe? I think, you know, look, in his situation, no, it's not. But, you know, he can definitely make good and be better and finish strong and change things up. But to me, I think, you know, coaches need, some people say, three years. I was expecting a bigger jump because this team on paper is better than last year's team, in my opinion. So that doesn't help the cause. So you're going to have to see uh, something change. To me, this game against the Syracuse is really a, a really defining game for the program because you can't lose to this team at home. And, you know, with everything swirling, you've got to show that your team's resilient and they're actually going to go out there and play and win for their head coach. Well, we'll see if they play like that on Saturday. Again, that's an earlier game Saturday afternoon in Tallahassee that Anthony's doing with Beth Mowens and their ESPN crew. Uh, check into that. few more moments with Anthony Becht with me. Uh, let's shift over to the NFL. You were there for Monday Night Football with the Patriots and the Jets. I said this to you. I was flying back on a plane from London where the Bucks had played uh, poorly and been beaten by the Panthers. I did not get to see the Jets-Cowboys game. I've seen highlights and read the recaps. After watching Monday Night Football, how in the world did the Jets beat the Cowboys the previous week as inept as they looked? I know the Patriots are good, but as inept as the Jets looked on Monday night, you shake your head at trying to figure out the NFL, don't you, Anthony? It's tough. It really is the toughest professional sport to say this team's going to win every week or this week or whatever the, the the competition is. And even when you think the team is not good because of their record, then all of a sudden, like we saw, uh, that you know they can win and lose at any point. I was there, you know, obviously covering the Jets. And I'll be honest with you, after my my pregame show, I walk up and my daily regimen is to go up. I go into the uh, the official, the Jets officials booth, watch the game, but they have a nice ensemble of buffet items and some food. I got myself a plate. I had a, you know, a little food. I ate it there and I went down to see and start watching the game. And all of a sudden, bam, it's 10 nothing. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's the deal here? Is anything going to change? And, you know, from the first drive of, of New England driving down the field and scoring a 16 play drive, and then obviously Darnold throwing the interception on, on the very next snap, um, you know, you think to yourself, how can this happen? And, you know, look, Dallas, the game there, when I was there, I'm covering, it was just a completely 180, a different team on the football field. But I will say that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys were not bringing as many uh, difficult blitzes. And they weren't difficult in the realm of what they were, but it's just how they did it, attacked, and the plan that the Jets had, which was none. So it was a complete debacle. Um, you know, everybody's talking about Sam Darnold and the, and the, and the, and the voice that they heard on the, when he was mic'd up about seeing ghosts. I mean, you know, look, I, I, the kid's been very resilient. If you go back in time at USC, he did have issues with turnovers that hasn't been an issue until 
this game and also with the fumble with and uh, attacked on with the interceptions that you know he's very resilient of coming back and being really good moving forward to those things in college and that was an attribute that I thought was going to be important for when these games came up that he'd be able to handle it well here you go here's your opportunity you're on the road now uh, going to Jacksonville who is okay a so-so team but very good defensively and then you go to a Miami who who knows when they're going to win a game but you don't want to keep that game close because they're going to be that team that everybody's scared to play but yet you know should be able to get an easy win against so uh, is the state of the union uh, kind of in flux uh, after that Pats game? I'd say no, but I was interested to see how they were not prepared for a lot of things that the Patriots did defensively and how they weren't able to generate anything uh, on offense with some, you know, majority of their skill back and their quarterback coming off such a strong game against Dallas. Well, and in terms of New England, I, I realize level of competition has something to do with it. I mean, they got to play Luke Falk the first time around uh, w- when they went against the Jets. They played Daniel Jones, the Giants rookie, when they played them on the Thursday night game. Uh, you know, likewise, they they also played Miami with Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen, and it was a disaster in Week Two for Miami. So that's some of it. But it is remarkable when you're talking about Anthony. You know this. They've allowed one touchdown pass in seven in seven games. They have 19 interceptions versus the one touchdown pass. And it's not like this is the steel curtain of the Steelers, or we're fond of the of the O2 Super Bowl Bucks, or or the Ravens' great defense of 2000 that won the Super Bowl. Who are the Hall of Fame players that are on New England's defense? We'll answer. There are none. Yet it's it's remarkable what they're doing. Level of competition as a qualifier. I understand that, but when you look at the numbers of what they're doing, it's ridiculous how good New England's been these first seven games. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. Um, you know, I can't really speak on the teams that they played and say, you know, it's been easy. Um, I think that they generate each and every week a, a package and a game plan to focus on that team at hand, and they've done that and they've handled those teams. Now, they got the Browns at home this week, and I don't think that's really going to be an issue for them. You know, Browns, I think we're all kind of past the Browns. At least I am. I was never on that train, but. You know, a lot of folks wanted to kind of push them up there and and talk about them. I think the Pats handle them. But the, the bulk of their schedule now, let's just talk about it, at Baltimore, at Philly, mm-hmm. Cowboys at home, at Texans, and then the Chiefs, who we would think at that point Mahomes will be, uh, you know, in play and back on the field. The Ravens game to me is interesting because I watched that Ravens-Seahawks game this weekend being um, Jets were on Monday night, and I'll tell you now, what LeVar Jackson is doing with his legs is super scary, and no one's been able to devise a real strong defensive plan consistently to stopping what he brings because the pass has been pretty effective with him where a lot of people didn't think that would be a strong point of his game. But, you know, he's scary. He's scary when it's third and eight and you feel like that's a great position for your defense, and then he runs for 20, and scary when it's fourth and whatever and they go for it and you know he can rip it off and find something if the pass isn't there and get a first down so that will be the test if if, if the if the Patriots are able to obviously win this week against the Browns and find a way to handle the Ravens I think you're looking at a team that could make a run even though their their schedule gets tougher they're just dialed in focused and yeah they may not have the star power but you know look 
Sanu gets signed from a trade. They add uh, at the receiver position there. So they're, they're clearly, you know, trying to fill some voids, but they feel real good about the people they have on their roster. And like you said, their defense has been ridiculous and it's only going to get better, man, as confidence goes higher and, and uh, they start shutting down more teams and they play better competition, but we'll find out even more. I don't need to justify the Patriots in their next four or five games coming up, but you, you, we will know where they where they kind of fit league wide uh, when those games come about. Very true, and you're right. The Ravens and and Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's fair to say right now it's it's two years into the process, a season and a half into the process. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback out of that group where Darnold and Josh Allen and and Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen were all taken in the top 15 and and Lamar Jackson had to sit and wait until the Ravens traded back into the first round to grab him at the very end of the first round. He's outplayed all of those guys uh, to this point. I know Mayfield's had some stats. Josh Allen's gotten the Bills to 5-1, and one, little questionable competition, but Lamar Jackson is no joke right now, and, and, and it's not just running. It is some touch on the ball and throwing the ball, so that will be fascinating when they play the Patriots down the road. This guy's always fascinating. I always love his, uh, his insight. Uh, Anthony, uh, plug away, because you also have your own podcast, the Spit and Fire podcast that you have going in addition to the, uh, the ESPN commentary on the college games. You're working the Jet games. Promote away on where we can hear more of you and find <laughs> more of you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think the number one place, uh, if you want to follow me and, and everything that I have to say as far as my voice, opinion, or where I'm going to be is my Twitter link. Uh, it's at Anthony underscore Beck, B-E-C-H-T. That's my Instagram account as well. Uh, and then I am on Facebook at the Anthony Beck. Um, I do have a podcast called Spit and Fire. Uh, you know, in, in my experience with podcasts, and you're doing them as well, as I try to keep them uh, being a solo deal uh, within a 30-minute confines so that yep. I can pack in as much information and not really talk about me, but talk about everything else that's going on out there in the sports. So I try to hit all the top college games that were that happened over the weekend, hit some of the top uh, NFL games, and then give you my top five for each of those uh, two things. And obviously being uh, I live in Tampa and, and watch the Bucks, and then also cover the Jets. Those two teams I'll get into as well uh, each week. Um, so that's where, you know, you can find that right now. It's on SoundCloud and you can just hit the link on my Twitter when you see it, or just go to SoundCloud and put in my name, Spit and Fire, and it comes right up. So those are where I'm at. Uh, that, that gives you everything you need to follow me and, uh, you know, get everything that you need to get. Uh, as far as what I'm doing during the football season. Love it. Love the insight of Anthony Beck. He does a fantastic job, as I love to joke with him. He's always a great resource. I will call him. I will text him. I will say, what are you seeing? And he doesn't mind telling me, even though he's busy running around. And he even comes on the shows when I need him here and there. And you know that I offer the same for you. However I can help you, wherever, uh, keep rocking and rolling. We'll be watching Florida State and Syracuse this weekend, and hopefully better days ahead for your Jets and the coverage there. We'll see what happens with them. A.B., thank you. I appreciate you being on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, brother. Always a pleasure being back on, TJ. Thanks for having me. We do rock along trying to decipher where are those underdogs for this weekend in college football and the NFL. We have almost run through the month of October. Again, we've got to be better. We didn't have a lot of underdog locks from last weekend. Uh, we got to try to unlock the vault on some of those for this weekend. To help me do this, making his debut on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, good to catch up 
uh, here on the show with Brian Edwards, who is a longtime handicapper. You're going to know and recognize uh, the name and the voice doing some work with Vegas Insider on his own site, BrianEdwardsSports.com. Also with MajorWager.com as well. Does a great job analyzing the games, not just underdogs, favorites, totals, all of it. Brian Edwards now with me, Wolf Wolf, on Three Dog Thursday. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, TJ. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay, so uh, right right away, I I know because before we started officially doing the interview, you said you got to get me to a Mac game. You got to get me to a Mac game. I don't know that we've had a Mac underdog prediction on the show as of yet that's probably our fault but you have a mac game that is standing out for underdog purposes so give me one right away that you like man the the eastern michigan eagles uh i'm sure that you know only hardcore betters are aware of this but they have been absolutely incredible as an underdog in fact going back to the 2015 regular season finale Eastern Michigan's been an underdog 27 times, and they are 22-4-1 against the spread <laughs> in those games. And one of those non-covers was a brutal bad beat at Kentucky earlier this year that I will spare you the details because they'll get me angry because I had Eastern Michigan big that night. But even last week, they were without their stud quarterback, Mike Glass, and they still won outright as a nine-point underdog to Western Michigan. Now, I will give you uh, – well, first off, uh, Hutchinson, uh, the backup, was incredible last week. In fact, 31 of 36 for 357 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks, and a rushing touchdown. And Glass is still listed as questionable, but I don't even, after the way Hutchinson played last week, I don't even know that – and Glass has had a great career for them. I don't even know if you want to go back to him, especially – if he's not 100%. So without their starting QB, they beat Western Michigan outright as a nine-point underdog. And again, 22-4-1 against the spread as an underdog in their last 27. Now they are at Toledo, and Toledo has got their uh, quarterback, uh, Mitchell Guadani, who is questionable and has missed the last couple of games, and, and they have struggled uh, without him. In fact, they lost uh, – at Bowling Green as a 26-and-a-half point favorite two weeks ago. And then they just got smashed at Ball State 52-14. to Now, part of that is not having uh, their stud quarterback. But, you know, he remains a question, question mark this week. So, I, I think you go ahead and take Eastern Michigan. Maybe not for a lot because we're not sure on, on both quarterbacks really – but uh, I'd go ahead and get a little bit of Eastern Michigan. And if, if Guadagni, I hope I'm getting the pronunciation right. Right, right. If, if, he's, if he's a no-go, then I think the line could come down even more. So that's why I'm saying definitely get Eastern Michigan now. Um, but now if he gets upgraded, the line might go up a touch and we get Eastern Michigan at, at a more generous dog. But regardless, I'm all about the Eagles, Chris Creighton, and EMU. How about that? So I, I wanted to get a Mac underdog on the show uh, right away, and Brian Edwards delivers with one. And again, that's a Toledo team that beat Colorado State at Colorado State earlier this year and also beat BYU. But you mentioned, uh, and it does look like Guadagni or Guadani, uh, however you would say it, Mitchell Guadani, 
uh, was part of those upsets. He's now been hurt, and you've mentioned they've gotten beaten in back-to-back weeks after that's happened. We'll see what happens in uh, in that Mac game. I'll get another underdog lean. You were telling me you don't like a lot of underdogs uh, for this week. I'll get another underdog lean from you in a minute. Uh, we have been talking about Wisconsin and, o- and Ohio State earlier on the podcast. I really like the Badgers just in this spot because everybody will have given up on them after the upset loss to Illinois last week, and now you're still on the road at the horseshoe. That is a lot of points to me. Jonathan Taylor running the ball. Uh, Wisconsin being physical. May catch Ohio State here. Uh, feeling really good about themselves after the blowout win over Northwestern. Are you feeling me even a little bit on the, on the Badgers in the early game here with, uh, with Ohio State? Well, I'm just not looking to go against these super hot teams right now. And I know that's when you do find your good underdog spots. Now, the one exception, I I could see maybe a play on Arkansas this week because I wasn't very impressed with Mac Jones and that offense. But I'm just not looking to go against an LSU right now, an Ohio State right now, or an Oklahoma right now just because of the way their offenses are playing. Now, obviously, do, do I – sure, I give, give Wisconsin – I'll give a Wisconsin a chance to win this game outright. I mean, Ohio State has looked great all year, but they really have not played anybody. I mean, what, what's their best win? I mean, maybe Michigan State at home or Cincinnati. Right. Cincinnati, home, or, right, right, I mean, right. You know, so, I mean I, – yeah, they're going to be facing the best defense they've faced by far. Now, Michigan State does have a good defense, so I shouldn't say by far. But, um, yeah, Wisconsin total look-ahead mode last week and, and looked awful. But, I mean, I could, I could see that, but I, it's a it's a pass for me. And, left, and I will say this, I think if you like Wisconsin, I think you should be patient because I think Ohio State's become a real public, public team um in general and i think it you know you may be getting um, another point or so here later in the week interesting and uh, and again jonathan taylor a heisman trophy candidate had a good game against illinois had the crucial fumble late he is the difference maker on keeping them in the game on grinding the clock some if ohio state stops him neutralizes him I, I fully acknowledge they're going to roll Wisconsin if that's the case. So let's see. Stay tuned uh, on that. I really like a Big 12 underdog in TCU hosting Texas. Texas uh, has obviously given up a bunch of points all year. I still quite haven't figured out, Brian Edwards, how did they almost lose to Kansas at home? How did they pull that game out when Kansas scored late, got the two-pointer late, was winning 48-47? They got into field goal range. They made the last-second field goal to escape uh, what would have been a humiliating loss to Les Miles and the Jayhawks. So I like that Big 12 underdog. That's looking good to me, a short underdog for TCU. But you like another Big 12 situation, uh, and that's the Pokes, the Oak State Cowboys here that you are liking for Three Dog Thursday purposes, right? Yeah, I mean, that was a very misleading final against Baylor last week. You know, Oklahoma State uh, actually led by, uh, you know, double digits uh, early in the third quarter. And uh, then they just had a couple of turnovers. Uh, Baylor got a scoop and score, uh, hit hit a long play, and it just got it got a hand, got out of hand uh, real quick. But um, looking at at, at uh, Gundy, 
as a road underdog. And let me look this year. Yeah, 10-5 and five against the spread in uh, the last 15 as a road underdog for the Cowboys, and that's dating back to 2010. Um, obviously, look, they've lost two games in a row by double-digit margins. But, um, look, Iowa State is, is playing great. Brock Purdy's having a hell of a year. But uh, Oklahoma State can run the football. And, um, yeah, I just I, I think these last two finals were a little misleading. And uh, this is a lot of points for the Pokes to be catching. Uh, you know Hubbard's going to be able to run the ball effectively. Um, so Oklahoma State is looking good to me at plus 10.5, uh, maybe 11 in a few spots. Yeah, that's an afternoon game, 2.30 local time, 3.30 Eastern time. Chubba Hubbard, we love that name, from Oklahoma State, uh, involved in that one. I-, I know you're in eager anticipation, not just for this weekend. I know we have LSU uh, and Auburn in the SEC, but the next two weekends that have Georgia and Florida and then the Alabama-LSU game, uh, Brian is based in the South, as Brian Edwards is with us here from brianedwardsports.com. Uh, those are going to be titanic games and the Gators get to rest up uh, a little bit here before that Georgia game just like Georgia does and the Gators kind of needed to uh, to heal up Kyle Trask a little bit etc cetera, etc cetera. humongous games uh, down the stretch of the season here these are two of them obviously in the SEC that are upcoming the next two weeks yeah and the Westgate uh, Superbook in Las Vegas they sent out their updated games of the year and Georgia Listen to how much Georgia got downgraded in the past week. So when they Westgate sent out these numbers last week, Georgia was minus ten to Florida. They're now down to minus five and a half. Now they were minus thirty thirty five and a half at Georgia Tech, and they're down to minus twenty eight now. Now that's partially Georgia Tech being upgraded because they got a an ACC win. Right. And then they were also minus seven at Auburn, and they're down to minus one and a half. But Georgia being favored by five and a half over Florida, um, that that is a terrible line. Florida, uh, in my mind, it should be Pickham or Florida a short favorite. You got to remember, uh, as Mullen said yesterday, Florida's getting Kadarius Tony back. They haven't had him since week two. One of their more explosive players offensively, and, and now he'll be able to play with Trask, who's a much better quarterback than Felipe Franks. And then you also have the two of the best pass rushers in the nation, Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Greenard. Uh, they both missed last week's game, and Greenard missed all but the first possession against LSU, and Zuniga only played sparingly against LSU, and he had missed uh, three games in a row before that after spraining his ankle at Kentucky. So, I mean, Zuniga and Greenard are the best combination of edge rushers on a team if they're healthy in America. And with the way Georgia's offense is struggling, Florida's got a good secondary. Georgia's wide receivers are inexperienced, and they have some injuries there. I think Florida is going to beat Georgia outright, so obviously love them plus five and a half. And I don't think you'll be able to get five and a half next week. You stole my question. My my follow-up question was going to be, how much do you think that line starts to plunge as we get to the middle of next week and head towards Three Dog Thursday and that matchup uh, in Jacksonville, the don't call it the cocktail party game? You think you could see it go down to two or maybe even go down to pick them? You might, it might go down that much? I mean, I you know, West, the Westgate is considered one of the best books out there, but this is a bad number, and 
you know, uh, books that don't do updated games of the year every week aren't worried about what that number is. And the Westgate doesn't open their college numbers until Monday morning. So we'll have all the offshores and we'll have the, the new Circus Sports that's been getting their, uh, their opening and opener numbers for college out at 2 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. You know, whatever the market does with, with the way Circus number comes out and the way the offshores come out, you know, I, I, I very much think it could be Georgia minus three or fewer. And if I were the odds makers, I, I would want Florida as a, a very short favorite, assuming Zuniga and Greenard are, are going to be healthy. And, uh, you know, Mullen said yesterday they'll be ready, but, you know, we'll see. And I don't even know if it will know more on that until more like Wednesday, Thursday of next week. But uh, I like Florida to win that game outright. All the Alabama games have been taken off the board because of Tua. Look, he's going to have had, what, uh, 20 days? Oh, wait, am I right on that? Would it, would it be 20 days? Right around there, yes. Yes. Yeah, the third three. So, you know, I, I mean, I was thinking LSU's got a great shot in that game with Tua. Without Tua, LSU's going to be favored in that game. And if Tua is not 100%, I like LSU in that game. I think – Look, I think LSU and Florida uh, are going to win out and uh, and rematch in Atlanta. That's what I'm thinking right now. Wow. All right, so we'll see how that uh, all plays out over the next couple of weeks in the SEC. Brian Edwards with me for a few more moments. We'll get to an NFL underdog that he likes as well. Uh, he's going to tell you more about where you can find his stuff. does an amazing amount of research and writing on college and the NFL. Uh, more on that in a couple of moments. I know you said to me as well before we started officially here, before I, I hit the record on the conversation, you said you got to ask me about Florida State. I know Anthony Becht uh, was talking in the last segment, Becht and Beth Mo working the game for ESPN on TV Saturday 3.30 Eastern Time. Florida State hosting Syracuse. I'll ask you the same question I asked Anthony Beck. Is Willie Taggart going to last the season? What is your thought? Could this be over with quickly? Particularly if there's a bad showing Saturday, could it be over with soon for Willie Taggart with the sentiment? What are you hearing? What do you think? Give me some, uh, give me some input. Yeah, no, I- I'm hearing a lot. Um, but it's going to depend on the negotiated buyout. Uh, they're going to owe him after this season uh, upwards of seventeen to eighteen million. Now, I think if it's you know uh, and you know thirty thousand empty seats, which there's a good chance that'll be the case, and you know this Syracuse team that's really struggling, there's, you know there's no Eric Gungy this year. Um, if they were to win outright, there's 30,000 empty seats. Um, if, if Taggart and I think he's a Jimmy Sexton client, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. If, 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 yeah, if they, you know, if they'll be, you know, if they'll work with FSU and, and get the buyout down, oh, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all uh, if he fired Monday if they lose outright. Um, in, in terms of taking Syracuse this week, Tommy DeVito is a question mark, as is Clayton Welch, the uh, backup that came in and threw two touchdown passes in the second half. So I can't pull the trigger on a Syracuse play until I know whether it's going to be Culpepper, who Rex Culpepper, uh, as, as you informed me, is Brad Culpepper's son. That's Brad, right. Brad and I know his sister Blair from college. They, uh, so it would be quite the homecoming if Rex does get the start if the other two QBs can't go. And uh, maybe could guide him to an upset victory. 
But yeah, no, I won't be. Now, Taggart and Sexton are going to have to work with the buyout, um, you know, and make it a lot less. But uh, yeah, things, I was hearing things last week. Yeah, stuff's going on behind the scenes in Tallahassee for sure. And I mean, you see what the AD said. He says, that, you know, if our coach gets hit by a truck tomorrow, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I know he was saying it in reference to Urban Meyer being their coach, but can you imagine if, if uh, the Alabama AD said, yeah, you know, Saban gets hit by a truck tomorrow? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, Taggart is not long for talent. Well, and and keep keep a couple of important points in mind, because I keep talking to Florida State people, boosters and things like that. Uh, you know, some of them have the sentiment, oh, you just don't have the money to pay him. You don't have the money to pay him a $17 million buyout. And again, the reason that is such a large number, it is essentially the guaranteed amount of money uh, that he is owed for the last four years of the deal, minus 15%. And so... That's that's how the buyout works. How else it works, though, and people that have seen his contract have written about this, is it is in monthly installments, first of all. And so it is also going to be predicated on if he were to get a job somewhere else, that buyout decreases. So obviously, Florida State would approach this, the boosters would approach this as almost like a six-month, let's evaluate where we are, because Willie Taggart will probably try to have a job in 2021 or 2020. 22, in which case that buyout is a lot less than $17.5 million or whatever, whatever the exact number is. And what you're talking about, what may get worked out here, is he may get a larger lump sum that somebody steps up and helps pay, and it's not ultimately $17 million, what's a few million among friends, it's maybe less. It's maybe $13 million, it's maybe $12.5 million. He gets that now now amazingly to walk away and they save five or six million dollars and go find another coach again these are decisions being made at the highest level with the boosters who has what money but i could totally see brian that they wait him out they make the move and they simply wait him out over the next year or two while somebody else coaches florida state they try to rejuvenate the program get more money flowing back in get more donation flowing back in and Willie Taggart gets a job somewhere else. Now that I'm off my diatribe, what do you make of all of that that I just said? Well, look, yeah, it, anything that's inevitable should be done immediately. And when there are tens of thousands of seats empty, yep. I mean, everybody's yep. losing in Tallahassee. The university's losing. The restaurants are losing. The hotels are losing. Everybody loses. And so it's inevitable that he has to go. Um, nobody there likes him. I mean, it's just been awful. They've looked so poorly coached from the beginning. So, I mean, I agree with everything. This is going to get taken care of, and this is going to happen. Um, it's just when, but I think it's going to be much sooner than later. And if Syracuse goes in there and wins outright this weekend, mm. I, I think something happens Sunday or Monday, probably. Maybe you're seeing a, you're seeing a lot of the signs there already that they're looking this stuff over, and uh, it just we wait to see what the Knolls uh, choose to do on that front. All right, so one more underdog to go. Let's go to the NFL. Um, and I, I know that you've you've been saying uh, that it's tough to find a good underdog uh, this weekend in the NFL, but you like one, and it's one similar to, to, to uh, another guest of ours that was already talking about. That's the Carolina Panthers. Four-game win streak heading out to San Francisco. 
the the 49ers, yes, undefeated. Why do you like Carolina in this spot as an underdog, Brian Edwards? Well, Carolina is just uh, on fire with Kyle Allen. Um, they're 2 and over straight up and against the spread on the road. Uh, they're undefeated with Allen at quarterback. Seven touchdown passes compared to no interceptions. Christian McCaffrey is playing like, you know, perhaps MVP of the league, 618 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, 4.9 yards per carry average. But he does a lot of damage catching as well, 35 catches, 305 yards, two touchdowns, and they're just hot. They're playing solid defense, and they've got their workhorse, McCaffrey. Allen's not making mistakes. And uh, you know, we see San Fran make the trade. Uh, for um, Emmanuel Sanders yesterday, now right. whether he'll be able to play play this week, I, I don't know. But you know, outside of um, obviously, uh, you know, Kittle's making great plays at tight end. They're 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 not that great at receiver, and uh, obviously it was a rain game. But they, they didn't look that good last week against Washington. And Carolina's had two weeks to prepare. And we're getting five and a half, and I think it's a game that they can win outright. So uh, Panthers is looking like my favorite play this Sunday. How about that? All right, Panthers is a dog out west. And again, the 49ers, we mentioned this stat, uh, I believe, uh, already. I'm, I'm trying to keep it all straight on Three Dog Thursday. They, the 49ers last week won the game, but the Redskins covered without scoring a point. What a fascinating stat in the NFL on the lines and underdogs. If you had the Redskins and the 10, you covered with the Redskins being shut out nine to nothing uh, at home. It's the first time in the NFL in terms of uh, lines and underdogs that that had happened since 2007 when the Miami Dolphins were a 16 point underdog and lost three nothing, three zip to the Steelers uh, in that 07 season. That's the only two times in the last 25 years of the NFL that a team has been shut out and covered the point spread. So that was weird last week. San Francisco winning with defense. But uh, you and our previous guest, Gary Seegers, both liking Carolina uh, in that one. All right, I'm going to hit you with one more just as an opinion here. If I say you get a vote, one vote, one name for Coach of the Year to this point, with the understanding we've got a second half of the season to go, do you give it to Shanahan at 6-0? and Do you give it to Sean Payton winning five straight games with Teddy Bridgewater as a backup quarterback? Do you give it to Belichick with the defense and the job they're doing and they're undefeated? How, how would, where, where would you give a Coach of the Year vote right now, best coaching job in the NFL? Well, I think you named uh, the three that, that really stand out. I mean, I guess LaFleur was Green Bay a little bit, but i got to go with Belichick, man. That defense is just lights <laughs> out, and uh, I would have to go – uh, with Belichick, but I mean, I, you know, Shanahan and Peyton ha- have been tremendous as well. Uh, you know, who would think that Drew Brees could get hurt and, and they could go undefeated? No one. Uh, for, no one. No one had it. I don't know that anybody in New Orleans had it. And I bet if you put uh, the truth serum on the on on Peyton and the Saints locker room, they didn't believe they would w- win five of six, if not all six, without Drew Brees. It's an amazing job. Uh, you know, and same with Carolina. And I, I forget what, what what the latest on Cam is, if and when he can return this year. But if they stay hot now and then throw, I mean, you you got to stick with Allen, right? If it, it, Cam Newton is supposed to try to return to practice either this week or next week, no timetable on him returning to a game. And you're absolutely right. If they win this week to go five and zero, oh, why would you mess you with can't. that? 
I, I saw that Panthers team two weeks ago. He plays within the system. He's making the throws. He's got McCaffrey there out of the backfield. While it is working, why, why would you go back, as crazy as it sounds, why would you go back to Cam Newton when you fully understand you may be moving on from him anyway after this year, financially, because of the salary cap? So we'll, uh, we'll see. That could be a good problem to have, especially if they win Sunday to get a fifth straight victory with Kyle Allen. The argument is even stronger. Of course, we know how the NFL works, don't we, Brian Edwards? If Kyle Allen is bad and San Francisco beats them, what are they saying in Charlotte? How soon can Cam get back to help us? Get him in there. Get Superman back in there, right? Absolutely. Now, now just from an entertainment standpoint, what will be fascinating to watch is if Cam is ready and is healthy, but does is has to sit on that sideline. Uh, he will pow, right. be a crybaby, and not be a very good teammate. And that will be a, a fascinating watch. Yep. Let's see when he gets healthy. Let's see what the Panthers do. Uh, we like what this man does. I appreciate the insight and the wisdom of Brian Edwards. Tell the fans more where they can read you, find out more about your picks, everything that you have going on. Plug away. All right. Well, I'm cold as ice in college, but uh, <laughs> you probably don't want to get my college picks right now. But they're available on VegasInsider.com and Brian Edwards Sports. Dot com. I, I have been doing well. NFL, I went 5-1 and one back-to-back Sundays until this past Sunday when I only went 1-2-1. and one. I am on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Vegas B, at, at Vegas B. Edwards. And uh, also a lot of writing I do for MajorWager.com. Uh, and I, I write a, a SEC Game of the Week on, on Vegas Insider as well and if anybody wants to follow our major wager uh twitter account it the handle is at major wager uno u-n-o and uh enjoyed it tj thanks for having me man that was I, fun. I always love insight from every which direction again you can go to brian edwardsports.com his site or majorwager.com where he's writing a bunch about these different games and about his picks he's got eastern michigan again i i salute you even though you can't see me i'm, I'm saluting you uh, on a yeah. Mac underdog on the show for the first time this year. Eastern Michigan, he leans Oklahoma State getting 10.5 points with Iowa State as an underdog and loves Carolina and Kyle Allen going out west against the 49ers. Brian Edwards, best of luck with the underdogs. We will do this again. If you let me bother you again, we'll do this again down the road on Three Dog Thursday, sir. I'd love to do it, man. Enjoy it, TJ. Thanks again for having me. And there we go. That'll do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks again to our guest, Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast with his underdogs, Washington State, the Troy Trojans, and the Carolina Panthers. Also, Anthony Becht for being here. Becht and Beth Mullins on the Florida State-Syracuse game. You'll see that on the ESPN family of networks, 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday, uh, giving us some insight as well on the Jets and the NFL uh, for this season. And Brian Edwards from brianedwardsports.com and majorwager.com. Brian Edwards going with Eastern Michigan, Oklahoma State, and also those Carolina Panthers. Again, I like the Wisconsin Badgers and the 13 points that they are getting uh, for this matchup with Ohio State. I'll also take TCU at home. They have uh, won the game outright with Texas four years in a row. Give me TCU. They've they've been able to cover at home as well uh, at a high clip for Gary Patterson. I'll take TCU as the short underdog. And in the NFL, 
Uh, again, in, in scanning over all of these different underdogs, I like the Cleveland Browns and that 13 points. Too many points for a team off the bye. I think they might catch New England a little flat uh, here on this. I don't know that the Browns will win, but I think they'll hang close with the New England Patriots. So those will be my three underdogs. We thank you again for finding us. However you did so through Red Circle Podcasting, social media, and the online links. A reminder to subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. It all comes automatically to you when you subscribe whenever there's a new episode on Thursday of Three Dog Thursday. Uh, subscribe away. And also subscribe on Alexa. If you're an Alexa user, subscribe to the Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute. Go under your flash briefings, and I'm there every day talking an underdog for 60 seconds in college football and the NFL on Alexa with the Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute. That'll do it for here. Enjoy the games this weekend. Good luck to our underdog selections, and thank you for being with me on the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to underdogs. That's Three Dog Thursday. Bye.